Welcome to Revelation Warning, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Robert Thibodeau as he interviews prophecy experts from around the world as we discuss current events in relation to Bible prophecy. All of this is to give the world a final Revelation Warning. Now, here is your host with this week's guest, Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Revelation Warning Podcast. We are so blessed that you're joining us here today. You've heard me say over and over and over again that the soon return of Jesus is about to happen. And I'll continue to say it over and over and over again, too. Amen. Folks, can there be any doubt? I mean, look what's happening all around us. You know, everything Jesus talked about in Matthew 24 is happening right now. Amen. Now, if you've been listening to us recently, you've heard several sessions with our guest today, T.S. Wright. I mean, he's done a deep dive for us on Revelation and the seven church ages. And if you missed any of those episodes, go back and look them up in the archives because he just lays it all out right there. Amen. And today we're going to discuss something even more exciting. And we're going to give a summary of, of what we talked about. But then as it all leads up to the year 2038. Now to do that, help me welcome to the program, Scott Rice. Scott, thank you for taking the time to join us again, buddy. I appreciate you coming back on. Well, Bob, it is great to be here. And I am looking forward maybe to this discussion more than even all the other ones that we've had. Because this is really going to give everybody a, a good overarching view, not only of what has been, but to also give them a picture of what might lie forward for us. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been looking at each of the seven church ages. So let's kind of sum up the sessions that we've had. You know, what is the significance and the need for us to understand the seven church ages of the seven ages of the church? Well, you know, I think. The, the seven age of the church really ties into the process that Jesus laid out in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22, and that each age of the church signifies a certain part, really, of God himself and how he overcomes the issues in a certain way of each of those ages to fulfill his master plan. Because when you're talking about man doing things, there's always an element of, of a flaw involved. There just is, you know, because we are not perfect beings. But God in his perfection has, through the ages and through the age of the church, really what we should call this is, and I'll get into this, is the age of the Gentile. But through each of one of these ages, God's perfect plan has been woven through man's flaws to fulfill what's we're going to what we can call eventually the great commission and the great commission obviously was given to us by jesus it's spoken of in matthew chapter 28 and it starts to be fulfilled in acts 2 and then on through and really comes to a in a mass explosion in acts 10 when peter receives the vision of the gentiles but we have to understand a lot of uh, back then, those guys did not think the, the end. They thought that the end was going to come really quick. They did. But the truth is, is 
these seven ages of the church really are the, it's really the time frame as well as the character of God coming out through the entire church through history. And so I really want that point to be made clear in my, in my podcast, the God-centered concept, we talk about a seven-step process. Well, that seven-step process that's layered out in, in Revelation 3, 14 through 22 is really each layer is significant for each of the ages of the church. So, and I can get deeper into that as we uh, dive into this particular episode today and and would like to at some point hear us discuss that. But I do know we want to probably move on with the timeline because there's probably some fun questions that you have that we want to explore. Well, uh, just let's just go ahead and start with the timeline. Uh, I mean, because we we need to know, you know, what's about to happen, you know, and and it's been laid out in the Bible. I mean, we've, we've already established that. So, yes. you know, I mean, it's it's just, you know, where are we at now on the timeline? So there are really a couple of ways to look at this. And there's some different scholars with some different points of view. And if we look at the timeline of basically AD or however, we, whatever we want to use for that particular uh, mode of timing, you know, the BC AD mode, there's also some of the new ones that have come out. I'm not, I'm going to stick with the one that we have used for, a much longer period of time, but really the age of the church that Acts 10 vision most likely happened somewhere around 38 AD. That's a, that's what a lot of scholars think. Now there are some other scholars that have different views on when that happened. And I'm not going to sit here and argue with them because quite frankly, I've read all the points and every one of them have a valid point into the way that they time it. So to, to say it's, it's perfectly at that 38 AD mark. I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to do that because to me, then it's hard to, it, it's, that is something that is hard to prove to write to a fine tooth comb where we're like, it was like, it was January 10th of 38 AD. I mean, we can't do that. Okay. So that the Bible's not even written that way, but we have a pretty good point. We have, I think we have a pretty good picture that that is around the time that that happened. From that point forward, the ages of the church will break down in these increments. The first age of the church will go 100 years and end between 136 and 138 AD. The second age of the church will start, obviously, at that point, at around 138 AD. And then what will happen is, is when the second age of the church kicks in, in a 138 AD, then it will end basically with the baptism and death of Constantine. And we talked about the significance of that. And that's around 337, 338 AD. So that second age of the church lasted for 200 years. Then the next age of the church will flip over from that around 337, 338 AD. It will end between 537 and 538 AD when the Byzantine army takes Rome and establishes the dominance of the papal state, the Holy Roman Church. So it will take over. It will dominate Europe for a thousand years. 
Now, there's obviously a lot of events that will happen up and down. There'll be trigger events that will eventually lead to the main event to flip the age of the church. That will happen in 1538. That is the the second and final excommunication of King Henry VIII from the Holy Roman Church. And, of course, in the 1530s, through that whole Reformation process between the English Church and the Catholic Church, or the Holy Roman Church is the way I want to phrase it, that split, and it finally happens, 1538, 1539, it finally has completely disintegrated. That is the flipping to the fifth age of the church. Okay. That's the Martin Luther 95 thesis and the Protestant Reformation will help will help spur this event. But this is the event that flips that age. Now you've got the fifth age of the church, and now we go 200 years to the 1738-1739 mark, and the event is very simple. It is a prayer meeting that happens on December 31st, 1738, into the morning of January 1st, 1739, and the Wesleyan brothers, they write about this. They write about this Pentecostal-type awakening that happens during that prayer meeting, and it not only helps save England, but it it sparks the Great Awakening, which will also help lead to the American Revolution, and that will also lead to another Great Awakening after that, which will die off in about 1835. And then the next main event is the coronation of Queen Victoria and all of the massive technologies that emerged in the 1830s, the culmination of all those things, will kick in the last stage of the church, which is the one we're living in now. If you notice, there's a lot of 38s in there. Now, 38, the number three and the number eight are very significant in the Bible. Eight, that number is usually significant, meaning new beginnings. Three, obviously, is a represent representation of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I think that's pretty self-explanatory. However, then you're asking, okay, so when, and the next, next natural question is, is, when is the end of the seventh age of the church? Well, if we follow this timeline, 100 years and then 200 years of the second age of the church, 200 years of the third age of the church, 1,000 for the fourth age, 200 for the fifth age, 100 for the sixth, then naturally we would come to the conclusion that it's probably going to be something around 200 years for the seventh age of the church. Now, I don't think you have to be a prophet to know that things are happening right now. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it takes somebody that has some amazing prophetic insight that no one else might have to say that there are things happening now that are spurring us towards the end that are leading us that direction. So I don't think I'm far-fetched in saying that it does not, it would not surprise me that 2036, 2037 to 2038, 2039, I say 2038 just from the standpoint that that follows the chronology that we have realized here that some something's going to happen to end the last stage of the church. Now, some people are going to talk about raptures and all this. Stuff. I'm not going to speculate on that because there's even speculation on if there is a rapture, when is that going to happen? Is that going to be pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? I'm kind of one of those scholars that I look at all the evidence and I see a lot of evidence 
that gives arguments to all of it. Yeah. Amen. And so for me to go, it is definitely this. I am not going to do that. I'm not God and I'm not going to pretend to be God. Mm-hmm. And God has never told me and never spoken to my heart. The Holy Spirit has never put in my heart exactly when that rapture is going to happen. So do, please do not read into that here. <laughs> the only thing that I was led was this timeline. And that is not saying that when it ends, that there's going to be a rapture that ends it. Amen. Amen. Here's what I think. And I'm going to give you what I do think, because if you remember back when we were talking during the third age of the church and towards the beginning, we had a Roman emperor help try to help the Jews to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And right, literally day, day to two days before it was going to happen, there was a massive event that was natural. It was, it was a natural disaster and disasters that destroyed a lot of the materials and the ground for them to do that. And I believe in many, many ways, and the Christians have tried to move into Jerusalem through the crusades and all that stuff, never with success. As a matter of fact, the Ottomans eventually take all of that and the Ottoman empire lasts through the end of world war one, Britain retakes that you have the Balfour declaration this happened. This is all happening in the seventh age of the church. And then in 1948, when Harry S. Truman, after World War II, signs the document making Israel a nation again in May of 1948, setting up a provisional government. And then in January of 1949, they have their first fully elected government take basically take the government and represent the people of Israel, then it becomes a nation again. I believe that that was the significant moment that may have, that I think signified what we're now seeing. Yeah. The temple has not been built. We know that. And I'm not going to say that it's going to be built tomorrow, but I think a clock started ticking at that point. I believe a clock started ticking. And if you break down the way these this outline works, sometimes in our dating of things, even in humans, in the Bible, we date things not by years, but by scores, which is a 20-year period. 2,000 years is a 100 scores, which will equal one generation of the church. 100 would be considered a generation. 100 scores equals a generation church. Almost think of church, kind of the historical church, even just basic history timeline of sociological changes and cultural changes and how life changes. Almost think of every 20 years as like one year. I mean, even in the Bible, it says a thousand years to us is like a day to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So we can almost look at this and see that. So that's like a, that 2000 year period and, and why that came to me, you know, I prayed over this a lot that just kept coming to me. It's like, there's a hundred scores of the church, which equals one generation of the church, you know? And so that would make sense that that is very organized. And remember this, God is very organized. Oh yeah. Yeah. He is very organized. So for us to sit here and say that he's not organized and it's not that simple and all that, Human beings are not simple, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has always been organized. And I promise you, even if this is not the perfect timeline of how this is going to happen, God is organized. 
Oh, and he yeah. is sovereign Amen. and he owns this and he will have the final say in all of this, no matter how this shakes out, he will have the final say. Amen. That's right. And he, Amen. at the end of this thing, he will be the final judge of all this as well, both over individuals and over all the earth. Yep. Amen. All right. It's, well, let me get your opinion on this and see how that plays in. Fire away. And then I've got something else I want to add to that. Okay. At the time of this recording, the United States Congress has just held hearings on the existence of extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, right? And I've been saying for years that the governments of the world would never unite until something happens that needs to unite them. And, you know, the... Because they need something to blame the rapture on when the rapture occurs, right? Sure. How else are they going to explain a billion people just disappearing, right? Sure. So they would, and I said, they would say something. If it is a billion. Of, yeah. Though they took those people out of here because they were impeding our efforts to bring unity and utopia and things like that, right? But in order for that to happen, first they have to get us to accept ET's existence. That way they have something and someone to blame. Now, whether they exist or not is not the argument. If you ask my personal opinion, I would venture to guess yes, they probably do. But like when somebody asked Billy Graham what he thought about ET, he replied, I don't know if they do or not. But if they do, Jesus is still their savior. And he just left it at that. But, uh, you know, and that's where I'll leave it. But what do you think about all this talk about ET and the government? Because right now, you know, we don't get along with China and we don't get along with Russia and and we don't get along with, you know, a lot of different nations and they don't get along with each other and China hates Japan and, you know, all this stuff. But if we are, quote unquote, under attack or something like that against ET, that is something that would signal we have to unify together. And in order to do that, we need a world leader. I mean, you know, I mean, the Bible even says all the armies of the world come out against Jesus, right? What is going to unite all the armies of the world? You know, could it be? And I'm just throwing that out there because we're talking about this end time <laughs> hypothesis here that they label Jesus as an ET just to create that one world order to try and fight against them. I mean, what better reason to unite a one world government than if we're protecting our world from an invasion? You know, I, the writers of the Bible have no clue what an ET even was. So what do you no. think about that? Honestly, I'm not even sure what I can say about that. I mean, <laughs> what do you, first of all, say, you can't make concrete, this stuff up. The government. Yeah. Why, why are they discussing something they don't have concrete evidence of? You know, right. that would be my, that would be my first yeah. question. Yeah. Number two, on a side, and this is more of a side note. I mean, there's nothing in the Bible that said God did not create other beings and things on other areas. Correct. We don't know that. Right. We we're not we're too. We think we know everything. Einstein said it best. We don't even know one percent of the universe's knowledge. Yeah, less than one percent. So, yeah. again, I have a hard time <laughs> speculating on that stuff. I, you know, I want evidence and for, for me personally, and for them to do that 
you know, are they conjuring up some type of thinking to be able to explain something in the out of the way or try to unite people? I don't know. I mean, could they be? I mean, propaganda has been used before. It's not exactly. It's not unprecedented that governments use propaganda and sort of ad lib ideas to to kind of accomplish what they want to accomplish. I mean, that's been. I don't think anybody would be shocked by that because that's been going on for a long time. Um, right. I mean, well, I'm I even, saying it because I even you know, we're, we're talking about propaganda, about, you know, the end times with the one world government and all that. And, yeah. You know, there. You know. Nope. Is that we possible? would not give up our sovereignty. We won't do it, you know, type yeah. thing. But something has to make us do it, you know. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying is is now they've been denying it, denying it. Nope, nope, nope. We don't know what you're talking about. And now all of a sudden, boom, here you go. Oh, we have proof, you know, type thing. And <laughs> You know, I mean, we're talking 2038 here. That's not very far away. You know, they, hey, they're just planting the seed right there. Could it be, you know, I, you know, and I don't know. I mean, you remember the movie Independence Day? Yeah. Back in the 90s. So, yep. you know, it's it's hard to speculate on that. But could the government be doing stuff like that? I mean, like I said, it's not unprecedented for governments to use propaganda to build a case for what yeah. they want. I mean, that's, that's right. they've been doing that for centuries. So it's not a, Amen. that's not even an old idea. Whether now the ET thing and in the whole extraterrestrial thing. Wow. I mean, the fact that they're even discussing it. That's what, that's what blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. It just kind of, it's like, why are we spending our time and money on even discussing that? Yeah. You know, if our government, and these are the guys we elect and they're in there for some reason doing that unless they have some concrete evidence of something that's tangible and real. Or like and, we said, and if know, that was the case, that would have already came out. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's, that's my point to it. It's like, that would have already came out. So, yeah. you know, could what you're saying, could that be true? Like I said, when they're talking about stuff like that, they're making it in a way like anything's possible. Yeah, yeah. To kind of keep that door open to explain things the way they want to down the road. That's why I was bringing up, you know, that way, you know, because I've said this, like I said, for years that, you know, that they have to have something to try and explain to the world why a billion people suddenly disappear. Right, exactly. And I mean, that is that a possibility? You know, is that what they have in mind doing this? Even if they don't. Even could if they, they don't have that? it in mind, could they use? Yeah, that's why I say, could they use yeah. that as? But could experience? they potentially use that? I think I could see them using a lot of things because think about this, and I have I've spoken on the rapture before. Just that if it does happen, that it's going to create a vacuum. Oh yeah, in society and something has to fill it. Yeah, and something has to fill it, and. You know, one of the possibilities, and I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but if you if you remove the church, the power of the church with the rapture, and then the attack on Israel by basically their enemies to the north and some of their surrounding enemies, and they are and those nations are basically wiped out, you're going to 
I mean, that's a lot of that's going to be Islamic. That's going to be an attack from Islam is what that's going to be. Not that you would destroy every Islam Islamic person, but you would definitely destroy their influence. Now you have the two biggest world religions, so to speak, gone. Their influence wiped out. Something's going to fill that void. I mean, yeah. just like when Rome fell, things had to fill that void. And so, I mean, again, we have historical precedents to understand the type of things that could happen once those voids are gone. Yeah. Once those, once those control, you know, kind of those spiritual controlling ideals that have influence over so many people in not only in uh, not only just normal people, but also in leadership and those things are wiped out. It is going to create a massive void that something is going to fill. And what that is, I mean, the Bible talks about an antichrist and, you know, what exactly is that going to look like and, and all these things. So again, I don't, I don't want to over speculate about that, but you also don't want to be blind to the fact that that could happen. Yep. You know, it's one of those things you want to keep on the, you got to keep it right there. I don't want to look at it like is my front and center thing, but I certainly don't want it completely out of sight, out of mind, because I think part of the fact that we see like this timeline, what it really should do to people. And, and one of the messages I want is that it should create a sense of urgency yeah, for us to reach others for Christ, because we don't know how long this is going to last. I mean, like you said in the last episode, nobody is promised tomorrow. That's right. Unless the Lord has, you know, put a picture in your heart of what's coming in your life up to a certain point. But at some point, that's still going to end. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. we we are our physical body existence is going to end at some point. Mm-hmm. But our spiritual existence is forever, regardless of what side of judgment that you're on. Yeah. And so one thing that, you know, look, there, I actually was watching an episode of. And I, I don't even watch the show much. I've watched a couple episodes. Joni Lamb, she had a guy on there speaking on their, and it's kind of a panel of women. And they had a guy on there speaking, and I can get the name for you. I don't have it in front of me, but I'll I'll look it up here in a minute. He has a book, and he basically died and was revived. I mean, several minutes later, well, he actually went the other way. He did not go to heaven, but he did stand before God in judgment, and then he went he went to the depths of hell and it was really interesting. He has a book he's written about it. He evangelizes. Now he teaches people about Christ that hell is real and that all of this stuff is there. And he, he actually layers hell out in levels. It is really strange, but how he describes it. Then I heard, I saw somebody else give a testimony on that as well. And they gave somewhat of a similar description and I'm like, this is real. I mean, you know, these near-death experiences, and they're not really near-death experiences. They do die. And then coming back, you know, you cannot refute that testimony. Yeah. You know, somebody can, that does not have a spiritual mind with the Holy Spirit can twist the words of the, of the Bible, but they cannot twist your testimony. Amen. That's right. They cannot change that, which is part of why the Holy Spirit is inside of us, is it gives credit to the words of God because when they try to discredit the word of God and they can do that in their mind, they can't discredit your testimony. Yeah. And it makes the two work together. That's why your testimony, that's why people's testimony is so important. And I encourage every listener here, if you don't know your testimony, you need to walk through that. Spend some time with the Lord and walk through your personal testimony and write it out. 
when we when I used when I worked with mm-hmm. uh, Crew, which was Campus Crusade for Christ back in that day, doing student ministry, we always talked about you need to sort of keep a timeline in a journal of your testimony, and write that out. Spend some time with the Lord, praying through it, and and writing out. That is an important aspect of your walk because it also not only does it show you when you came to Christ and your growth, but it also shows you when you kind of walk off course and Him pulling you back. And that can be used to help other people not to do the same things, or it can also, you know, you can relate to other people in helping them see how powerful Christ is in your life. You know, I was just this, but after Christ, I was this. Yeah. And that testimony gives credit to that. So it really, what testimony is all about is about the idea of hope. It really instills the hope out of the truth because at the end of this, when you just like in our seven step process, the first part of the process is your faith in the right kind of truth. You know, Jesus says in verse 18 of chapter three of Revelation, buy from me gold refined by fire. What he's talking about is putting your faith in his truth because his truth is the only one that's going to matter. His truth is the only one that has real value. All other truths will not have value. Exactly. They're eventually going to, they're going to, if you put them in fire, when you put gold in a fire, the only thing that survives that fire is the purity of the gold. Yeah. Everything else is burned out. Well, if it burns completely out in God's fire, then it would, then it is not his truth. It's completely gone. Yeah. First Corinthians chapter three talks about that with the believer's judgment that we, you know, we call it that. So I tell believers, you don't want to live in spiritual milk. That's why you listen to my podcast, because that's what I'm doing. I'm helping people get out of drinking spiritual milk and getting into eating steak and lobster and, you know, and fine dining here with the Lord, because that's what we want to do is we want to move out of that. And so, but I'm going to come back to this timeline a little bit. Mm -hmm. So here's some things that are going to happen after 2038 that we do know. So. In 2043 and 2044, there's going to be an historical event in the sky that we've never seen. You, you've heard of these tetrads, mm-hmm. you know, like the four blood moons and all those yep. things. Yep. Well, this one is going to be a super tetrad. And you're like, what is that? There is actually over a two-year period going to be, really in less than two years, but in 2043, 2044, there is going to be eight events in the heavens. With every blood moon, there's also going to be a solar eclipse. You can go read about it. I mean, this isn't just biblical scholars saying this. This is actual people who study all of this stuff and give you timelines on when there's going to be harvest moons and all this stuff. This is going to be a super tetrad. Matter of fact, I don't even think the next one's going to happen until like the, I want to say it's 20, is it like 2370? You'd have to look it up. It is a very, very long time after this. Okay. So, but in 2043, 2044, this is going to happen. What's also interesting is in 2050, 2051, if I'm not mistaken, I was looking through, there is another type of tetrad that is going to happen seven years later. Hmm. So just kind of some food for thought. I, like I said, I have broken this down. The other thing that I have done 
when I walk through this is I I was led to look at Hebrew dating because Hebrew dating is very different. Yeah. It's just it's just straight on. They they date it from the time of Adam and Eve all the way till now. And so they've had a scholar that did that. And you can read about this. You can research it and get all kinds of information. Most scholars, both biblical, Jewish, secular, they actually think the guy's off by like about 156 years because there's some things that he may not, he, they don't think he included. And so that would actually put our dating, listen to this, that would put our dating in 2038 around 5954. And there's some people that have added like 10 years to that. I've seen, like I said, there's some different scholars out there with a little bit different, but that's pretty close. Yeah. 5954. Yeah. Now I want you to envision this. So let's say that, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is definite, but just giving you a, an idea. Let's say that the seven year tribulation started with the super tetrad. Let's just, I just kind of played the what if scenario. Mm -hmm. And I said, that is, that would be like, right around 59.59, and then it would end in 59.66. And then you have the thousand-year reign of Christ, which would put us at 69.66, which I found that interesting. And then 33 years for Satan to gather all the nations of the earth and deceive them, that would put you at 69.99. And then the final fire from heaven comes down and consumes all of them, and Satan is finally thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur in 7,000. Wow. Yeah. Amen. I mean, just, again, God is very organized. I'm not saying this is exactly how it's going to happen. I'm not going to, I don't want to go that far with it, just because we don't totally know. But it certainly gives you pause to think about this in relationship to the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So that would be right around that. Now I've seen some other dating on this. And, and, and if you're listening to this, there's other scholars out there dating this with a little bit of, a little bit of tweaks. Some of them's got it like 10 years later, 15 years later. I've seen some different stuff, but I think most people agree that we are somewhere in the 5,900s. Most of these biblical scholars think we're most likely in that time frame, especially if you add that 156 years to what that one Jewish scholar did. So again, walking through that, looking at this, and I'm not, and and don't be one of, the, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna encourage you guys. Don't be one of these people who said it is definitely on this date. Don't do that. <laughs> the Bible says we don't know the hour and the day. Yeah. So let's just let's put that aside. But we do know the signs of the times, right. and I don't have to look at any of this, and, and this is the other part. I don't have to look at any of this dating or have been led to look at any of this to exactly what you're saying, Bob, to know that something's happening. Yeah, Things are changing rapidly. Amen. And I actually believe the advent of our technology completely overtaking our lives is a big piece to the ending of the ages of the church. Yep. I actually exactly. do, because think about it. What do we have now? We've got holograms. Well, having the image of the beast would be pretty easy to swallow. We are almost to a point of surveillance being able to track you 24-7. Yep. Yep. We're, we're not there yet, but we're getting closer. Real close. And it, 
And we are. And I mean, and just ask yourself, what will it look like 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. Well, what did it look like 10 years ago compared to now? And that should tell you, and we are in exponential growth all the time. It is just fast forwarding. Coupled with the fact that Israel became a nation in 1948 and saying that this generation will see it all. 1948, if you look at a generation as 100 years, that's 2048. Yeah. If you look at it from when they called all the Israel people of Israel back, that happened in 1950. So that's 2050. If you look at when they took all parts of Jerusalem, that happened between 1967 and then politically secured in 1970. Add a 70 years, which can also be considered a generation in the Bible. That's 2040. (laughs) I mean, it's in 2037 to 2040. I mean, a lot of things are just angling. It's not just one thing. I see a lot of events angling to this last half of the 2030s into the 2040s to 2050 that in that really that 12 to 14 year range, I think a lot is going to happen. Amen. I don't think we are totally there yet. I think a lot of people are saying, I mean, I I hear people screaming, the rapture's getting ready to happen. Just, I mean, just hang on because here it comes. And I hear books. I'm like, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, but I cringe <laughs> when people say that because they, first of all, they don't know. And number two, they haven't studied the historical aspect of this in the way that I'm presenting it. And it's not just me, but even other scholars, I have heard a few other scholars say that just hang on, you know, there does seem like there's, they're not totally there yet to be able to do what they want to do. One thing that's going to have to happen is the will of the American people is going to have to be broken Yep. because America still controls the world. Look, there is a reason Russia and China don't combine forces and attack us because our military would disintegrate them within hours okay not days our military could literally disintegrate russia and china within hours and they know that they're not you know it's not publicized china and russia doesn't you know they threaten things but there's a reason they don't do it (laughs) so you know they're the retribution and the amount of technology that our military has compared to all the other worlds combined is is unprecedented. It's they 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 wouldn't have a chance. I mean, it would be over before it started, and they know that. So they try to do it in other ways. They try to do it through economics and other things. They're trying to gain their share of the pie is really what they're doing, which has been going on. And folks, this type of stuff has been going on. I mean, we saw this culminate in World War One. This is why World War One happened. I mean, you can see all the imperialism and colonialism. And so some of those ideals are still going on with these with nation building today. And they're finding every way, shape, and form that they can do that. Yeah. So don't, you know, don't think this is something new because it's not. It's just the technology is far more advanced. And to think about a one world government, we we've got now the US trying to develop the digital dollar. That's a big deal. Not- not just the U.S. A lot of countries. And it's China. Yeah. I mean, all yeah. of these countries are doing that. So you can kind of see some of these things. That's why like 10 years ago, I had a, a friend of mine that I would talk about this stuff with. But we both kind of said it's not quite there yet, but you can kind of see things on the horizon. Well, now 
I can see a little more on the horizon than I did 10 years ago. Not that it's there yet. I still, I still think we got a little ways to go, but I don't think we have very far to go. You know, I, and again, that later 2030s makes sense. I could see the technology being advanced enough at that point to do what they want to do. Yeah. And, and there's been, there's been a few groups of the higher ups and this is not, it's not even a secret anymore that have tried to work ways to bring more formality to the global conscience and economically, which is obviously the big one. I think I still think the economics and finances are the big one, Mm -hmm. but calming down the militaries across the globe, getting it more of a, a one world order. You see that through global trade. I mean, all of the different of all of the connectivity globally that we have now, you you can see it kind of building to that point. Like I said, we're not there yet, but we are certainly getting closer for that being a possibility. And and to me, it's just it's an awareness thing. But the primary in all of this, Bob, and you you and I have talked about this. We need to be sharing the gospel. We need to be making disciples. That is really what Jesus is wanting us to focus on. And this stuff should just be a sign to create more of a sense of urgency to connect deeper with him so he can pull out the calling out of us to go and make disciples of all nations. That is ultimately what he is telling us to do. Not, Not get completely bogged down in this, but to use this as an awareness. We need to be aware of this. I don't disagree with that. But what I don't want to do is be so far just focused on this that I lose sight of my calling. Yeah. Amen. And that Amen. and 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 so it's that and to me it's just a balance. You know, it's a balance. And so that's why I love being on your show because <laughs> when we talk about this, but we also talk about sharing the gospel as still being the primary. Yeah. And making disciples. Amen. Which is what my podcast is all about. And and your interviews with all these other pastors and all these other leaders that you have had, I mean, their messages, whether directly or indirectly, are basically all pointing towards that same thing, too. It's that it we need to be answering our calling. Amen. We are the body of Christ. We need to rise up. And I am calling the church right here, right now, to get out of its comfort zones, forget about your wealth. Forget about your comfort here in the Western world and focus on your calling to bring forth the great commission. Our, what the Lord has called me to do is to speak to the church in a general sense, to bring an awakening so that we will fulfill what, for some reason, this has come to me multiple times in prayer and dreams and visions and just impressions from the Holy Spirit. It, he keeps calling it the great harvest. Yeah. So my thing is, let's do what we need to do and let the great harvest begin. Amen. Amen. The great Amen. harvest to begin because there are people that have had visions and I've had impressions of this. And I've had, like I had a vision of myself standing in a river with just thousands of people in a line being baptized. And it wasn't just me baptizing. There were several of us out there baptizing people. And then the vision just ended. And I've had that vision more than one time. 
And there's other people that have had some of those similar visions, but there's also, and there's also people that have had the vision of there is one more great revival before all of this happens. And so we need to not lose sight of that. And I think this is a calling for us to rise up to God's calling to, to have that happen. But the church is going to have to wake up out of its slumber for this to happen. And I'm not talking about denominational churches. I'm talking about the people. Right. And we're going to have to answer the call that Paul and Peter and the disciples had put upon them from Jesus. It is our job to finish what they started as the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Scott, this has been so interesting, as usual. Uh, if someone has a question about this or would like more information or they want to, to get in touch with you, maybe they want to do an interview like this, how can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? Email me at GCC God centered concept 2038 at gmail.com. And that number 2038. Now you should understand the significance of that. And, and really what in my heart 2038 represents is a call to fulfill the great harvest. That is a vision that has been put on my heart. And I know I'm not the only person. Amen. For the great harvest. I know I'm not the only person. I've heard other people actually use that term long after the Holy Spirit gave it to me. And there are people I've never even talked to. I just saw them post it. And I'm like, that was my confirmation that what the Holy Spirit was putting on my heart was correct. <laughs> I'm like, okay, the Spirit, I, and the Holy Spirit was put on my heart that he's speaking to other people too oh, about yeah, the same yeah. thing. And so what I'm hoping is, is that those other people that are saying the same thing I am, that they're get that the message is getting through for people to hear this because it doesn't matter what I say, it only matters what people hear and respond to. Yeah, amen. That's true. Amen. Folks, oh, can there be any doubt? The soon return of Jesus is gonna happen, whether you want it to or not. And it's happening soon. Whether or not I'm alive when it happens, it doesn't matter. Whether or not you're alive when it happens, it doesn't matter because all it does matter is your last breath better have Jesus's name on it. Amen. And, you know, your children, your grandchildren, you know, when you share the gospel with your family, when you share the gospel with your next door neighbor or your coworkers, you know, I remember back in Bible school, and Scott, you probably went through this with uh, Crusade for Christ. The average person has to hear the gospel something like 47 times before they accept Christ. You don't know if this is the first time you've witnessed to this grocery store clerk or whoever that it's the first time she's ever hearing this or the 99th time. That doesn't matter. The average is 47. I mean, some people accept it the very first time you present it. Some people will reject it to their grave, but the average person is 47 times before they receive Jesus as their Savior. Our only job is to sow the seed, and that's what I do. When, when I share the gospel with someone, well, I don't know about all that Jesus stuff. Anyway, have a good day, you know, whatever. They just brush me off. I turn around. The very first thing off my lips is, Lord, I planted a seed. You take care of the harvest Amen. because it's not our job to get them. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to plant the seeds so the Holy Spirit has something to work with. Amen. And that's what Scott's been doing throughout this whole series, planting this seed, planting the seed. What seed is he planting? The soon return of Jesus is about to happen. And you don't know the time. It could be 
2028. It could be 2050. It could be 2038. It could be 2030 tonight, military time, 8.30 p.m., wherever you're at. You know, you don't know. You could get up and walk out the door from listening to this and fall down the stairs and break your neck. Your time is up. The only thing you can do is give Jesus the praise he deserves and accept him as your Savior before you do anything else. Amen. Pray with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, what I've heard gives me concern because I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if I would go to heaven if I died right now. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would come into my heart and create in me this new spirit man that the Bible talks about so that I would be right with you, forgiving me of all my sins, oh, even ones I don't even remember, washing it all away and giving me your new heart, a new heart, a new spirit, one that's right with you and right with God. And then help me to fulfill my purpose for this life, the calling you give to me personally, whatever it may be. And we give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org because I want to rejoice with you. Amen. Praise God. Scott, what do we look forward to next time, buddy? Well, we've got got some other fun, different things that we can discuss. I've uh, I've got some specific events that we can dive into that they're more characteristics of the church of today that I believe that we can talk about. There's some characteristics of some of the former churches that we can talk about that I think have a tremendous influence on us today and things that we need to pay attention to that I simply just haven't had time to mention. <laughs> and so we can, it's, it's yeah. almost another rehash, but yet we can, we're going to focus on some individual characteristics of things that I think are not only signals that we're approaching the end, but also signals of things that we need to have another awakening. And I, I think this thing of this great harvest thing, that general topic to me is part of the significant end of the last stage of the church is something we, we need to dive into a little deeper and something that we can discuss again Praise here, kind of make a whole episode of that. Maybe a couple yeah. episodes of that Amen. as we, as we've done with a few of these ages of the church. That's right. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Praise God. Scott, I appreciate your time coming back on and sharing all this good stuff with us, man. It's been great. And Bob, thank you. Until next time, it's past the Bible. Scott Wright, myself, reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. You have been listening to Revelation Warning with Pastor Robert Thibodeau and his guest expert on Bible prophecy as it relates to current events. This podcast is not designed to invoke fear, but concern. Help us to make everyone aware that the soon return of Jesus is close at hand by clicking the like, subscribe, and then share buttons below. Share this episode with your loved ones, friends, and coworkers. For more information on our ministry, please visit podcasterforchrist.com and be sure to come back next week for another episode of Revelation Warning.